We had a team of people who went down yesterday to uh, Love the Lou. Um, it was uh, actually pretty good weather for um, what we were doing down there. It was cloud cover. There was some wind. It didn't rain on us while we were there. But I appreciate the whole crew being down there. We got to spend some time with Lucas. We got to see Lenny. We got to talk to Charlene. And there was a big group of middle school students from Springfield, Illinois, who were there as well, um, kind of serving. And so we were able to be together. So that's the whole crew that we had there, gross and sweaty and just uh, wonderful, but uh, we stood together for that brief moment for a picture, you know, enduring each other's smells and all that. But uh, I'm so thankful for our connection to Love the Lou. I'm thankful for our mission team leading us to, to go there. We're going to do that again um, sometime in July as well as another time in August, so you're welcome to come and serve alongside us. Now, Andy Bell, one of our members who uh, um, created and oversees the Skill Center, so uh, Tom and Kurt and myself got to go, and we had to take some stuff for Lucas over there, so we got to see him. And one of the things that we discovered at the Skill Center, which is a part of their ministry to young people there, teaching them some basic skills, kind of like a wood, wood shop, but he needs uh, a new table saw. Um, we, we asked him, you know, is there something that you could use or you need right now? And he showed us the table saw he had there, and it, uh, was, an, it was not a permanent table saw. So anyway, um, today, if you want to give up to $800 to help us buy a table saw for Love the Lou, you can do that before we leave here, all right? You can give a dollar, you can give $800, whatever you want to do, but we need $800 so that the next time the Skill Center meets, um, there'll be a brand new table saw for... Um, Andy to use, um, George use, Tom uses, there's others who volunteer for that. And so before you leave today, um, if you want to give something to that, those of you are online, if you want to give something, just put your name in there and let us know. And so you can give that to me, you can give that to Ralph back there, um, you can give it to Ronnie, um, some of our elders, and just say, hey, we want to help out with that, all right? So a little bit of PR for Love the Lou, but I appreciate each of you who went down there. So there was a mom who was working in the upstairs of her house, and she uh, heard from the bedroom the scream of her seven-year-old son, and so she goes running into the bedroom only to see that her two-year-old daughter had a handful of her son's hair, and he was screaming bloody murder. So she walks over to her little girl, and she gently pries her fingers apart from his hair, and she begins to comfort him, and she says, look, she didn't mean it. She didn't know that that hurt you. And so she comforts him. She leaves the room. She hadn't been gone five steps down the hallway when she now hears her two-year-old daughter scream bloody murder. And she comes running back in and she says, what happened? What's going on? And he looks at her and he says, she knows it hurts now. So what is it within us as human beings, even from a young age, that we want to get revenge? What is it about us that we want to make sure that the other person who hurt us hurts as bad or worse than we hurt? I mean, it's just a part of us, right? It's just inside of us. I mean, there's a lot of people that I love very much, right? My wife, she's amazing. My family, my grandkids, right? Um, people in our neighborhood, my family, extended family, those of you who are part of this church family, but I have to be honest with you that I have some people that are very difficult to love. 
Now, none of you, right? But there are some people in my life, and there have been through the years, that it's like it just takes all the energy I have to be in their presence, let alone to try to love them. Now, is that okay as a preacher for me to confess something like that to you all? I mean, many of you understand that, though, right? Because you got people just like that in your life. Maybe you work with them, right? They're in a cubicle a couple doors down, or maybe they're in your family. Maybe they're sitting next to you right now. I don't know. Maybe they go to school with you or they just periodically show up in your life. But, you know, it's just so hard to love somebody like that. But what if it's somebody that is in your life that you know hates you with everything they have? Every time you see them. They're trying to hurt you. They're trying to undermine you. What what if it's somebody who is like your sworn enemy, who they plot to try to undermine whatever is happening in your life, and every time you see them, they speak these words of hatred to you? How is it that we're supposed to be able to love somebody like that? Thankfully, we're not the only people to wrestle with this. So when Jesus was on the earth, there was a group of people who were like us, trying to live for him, learning about what it was to be a Christian. And Jesus comes to them, and as we looked at last week, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, and who are hungry, and who weep, and who are persecuted because of me. But to that same group of people, who are undergoing this kind of persecution and difficulty, the kind of hatred that we're talking about, Jesus then turns around and says to them what I think is probably one of the most difficult commands in all of Scripture. And what Jesus says to them is, love your enemies. So we are in this series entitled, What Does Jesus Say About? So this whole year we're spending in the Gospel of Luke. Because our goal is that we want to encourage you, our whole church family, whether you're online or here, to seek after Jesus with everything that you have. Because we know that the more we get to know Jesus, the more he's the one who can transform us and change our lives and work in our hearts and our lives. And so this series, what we're doing is we're concentrating on a pretty challenging passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 6. So I encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. And those of you online, open your Bibles up. Because in this uh, teaching, which is not a real long teaching, but Jesus talks about some very challenging things. So last week, we took a look at the fact that most often the values that Jesus has are really almost the opposite of the values of the world around us. And it's so easy for us to slip into those values. And so what I, the challenge last week was to ask ourselves the question, do my values line up with the values of Jesus? To build that into your life, into your routine, where every month or once a quarter where you sit down and you really wrestle with that. Am I slipping back into the values of this world? But today we come to this command that is so very challenging. And it's this command which simply Jesus says, love your enemies. No matter who you are, no matter what's going on in our life. And this is not the kind of love that, you know, we think about romantic love that's based upon how I feel. No, this is the love that Scripture talks about, which is a love that's based upon a choice 
It's not based upon whether I feel like it or whether I think that person happens to deserve it. And today, where we're going after is simply this, that love to the lowest is love at its highest. And you and I have people in our life who we would say would probably fit in the category of the lowest. They're our enemies. They're not hard to love. They're almost impossible to love. And so how do we put this very challenging passage of Scripture, how do we put that into practice? So I'm going to read from Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 27. And so those of you who are present here, I want to invite you to stand with me as I read from God's Word. Luke chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 27 through 36. You follow along on the screen or in your Bible um, as I read these words. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek... Turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Say that last verse with me out loud. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. You may be seated. So this is a very challenging command. I'm going to say that a lot through this whole passage. Um, It's important to understand what Jesus is doing here. So we looked at last week the fact that Jesus has, you know, this huge group. He's got kind of the core of the apostles. He's got the committed who are the disciples. And then he's got this crowd of people who are basically there because of the food and the healing, right? Um, And so Jesus turns to the disciples. So this is a passage, this whole Luke 6 passage is one to the disciples in which what's happening here is Jesus is saying, here's the Um, values. Here is the requirements. Here's the expectation of what it is to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus. But he begins in a very interesting way in verse 27. He says, but to you who are listening, I say. So maybe Jesus, even though he was God, knew not everybody was good at paying attention. I don't know. Maybe they were distracted It's a very familiar statement. Jesus would often say things like, to him who has ears, let him hear. What Jesus knows is that even to people who are in the audience, who are hearing the words, they're not listening. And the same is true today, whether somebody here or somebody online. Sometimes it's just kind of like going in one ear or out the other. How do I know I'm listening? I know I'm listening when I'm putting into practice what Jesus is teaching here. But again, this is such a a difficult passage of Scripture. Okay, so let's look at this again. So Jesus gives us these commands. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. So it begins with basically four commands. Love, go ahead and put that up for me, Christian. There you go. Do good. No, go back one for me. Do good, bless, 
and then pray. All right? Four different commands. Now, if it said, fill in the blank here, so go to the next one for me, Christian. There we go. So if it was fill in the blank, this would be a lot easier, right? So if you said love your, who would you put in there? What was that? Family. I can love my wife. She's pretty easy to love 99% of the time, right? Um, You know, I, I could put a lot in there that would make that easy. Or what about do good to those who what? Bring you some food are nice to you, do good to you, right? Or bless those who what? Say nice things about you. Uh, pray for those who love you, take care of you. Or I mean, if we fill in the blank, this would be so easy. But it's not fill in the blank, is it? Don't you wish Scripture was kind of that way? Wouldn't that make it so much easier? But what does he say? Love your, say that word with me, enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. What what is Jesus asking of us here? He's asking us to do the opposite of what it is we feel like we should do, what we should instinctively do. He is saying, do the opposite. Every decision I've ever made in my entire life has been wrong. My life is the complete opposite of everything I want it to be. Every instinct I have in every aspect of life, be it something to wear, something to eat, it's often wrong. (laughs) Tuna on toast, coleslaw, cup of coffee. Yeah. No, 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 wait a minute. I always have tuna on toast. Nothing's ever worked out for me with tuna on toast. (laughs) I want the complete opposite of tuna on toast. Chicken salad on rye. Untoasted, with a side of potato salad, and a cup of tea. <laughs> well, there's no telling what can happen from this. You know, chicken salad's not the opposite of tuna. Salmon's the opposite of tuna, because salmon swim against the current, and the tuna swim with it. Good for the tuna. Uh, George, you know that woman just looked at you. So what? What am I supposed to do? Go talk to her. Elaine, bald men with no jobs and no money who live with their parents (laughs) don't approach strange women. Well, here's your chance to try the opposite. Instead of tuna salad and being intimidated by women, chicken salad and going right up to them. Yeah, I should do the opposite. I should. If every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. Yes, I will do the opposite. I used to sit here and do nothing and regret it for the rest of the day. So now I will do the opposite and I will do something. Excuse me, uh, I couldn't help but notice that you were looking in my direction. (laughs) Oh, yes, I was. You just ordered the same exact lunch as me. (laughs) My name is George. I'm unemployed, and I live with my parents. I'm Victoria. Hi. So what's Jesus saying? Take your instinct, what we would normally do, and what does he say? Do 
Do the opposite. You, you receive hate, what do you do? You give love. You give good. You receive a curse. You give a blessing. In fact, he gets even more annoyingly specific here in beginning in verse 29. He says, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. I mean, what's he doing here? He's just sharing what in that day and age would be just practical application of what it is to put love in action the way Jesus is teaching us to do that. And then he gives us what we often know as the golden rule. But what does it say there, verse 31? Do to others as you would have them do to you. Now, you've got to understand something. The setting of the golden rule is not talking about the family that we love or our church family or other people who are nice to us. The golden rule is set in the midst of a discussion about loving your enemy. I mean, that just it brings it to this challenging, very specific thing. And what we often do in the world, what, is, what we often do in the world is things like, well, if you do good to me, then maybe I'll do good to you, right? Or we wait when you do good to me, then, then I'm willing to do nice things to you. Or what oftentimes people think is, you better do to them before they do it to you. That's not what Jesus is teaching here. What he's teaching us is the standard by which we have as our baseline is how would I want to be treated in that particular setting? How would I want them to react or respond to me? And that's the baseline by which we use to then be able to have concrete action to that person who comes back to us. It's really having this sensitivity to this person seeing beyond how they're behaving and how they're acting towards us, having a sensitivity to their needs and what's the greatest need that any of us have in our life. That need is for Jesus Christ in a relationship to Jesus Christ. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, well, this is pretty easy for me, Doug, because I, I don't have any enemies. Right? I, everybody loves me. Everybody is nice to me. And that may be true. But you and I realize that as Christians that our country is growing more and more anti-Christian. I mean, you may not have dealt with it specifically, but maybe you have. And of course, you know, I don't have a price on my head like pastors in some places in Nigeria have when there's a huge kind of um, anti-Muslim kind of a population that's just, you know, very, very rebellious. I mean, it's like, I don't have a price on my head. I don't think you do either. And yet, if you look at the news today, you recognize and realize that um, there's just a lot of things that are said against Christians. And, and it's bothersome. Some of you, because of where you work, you're somewhat limited in what you can say about Jesus Christ, right? Maybe you're a school teacher. Or maybe you can't have a Bible study. Um, Maybe within your family, you can't have certain discussions, you know, because you know the problems that it causes and the anger that it directs back towards you. And so what is the context here that we're talking about, all right? 
in this particular passage? Well, you have to go back up to verse 22 again. And what Jesus says in verse 22 is he says, Blessed are you, and here it is, when people hate you, when they exclude you, they insult you, and they reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. See, the enemies that we're talking about here are those who are opposed to you because of your faith and your testimony and your walk with Jesus Christ. That's why they happen to be the enemy. And again, you go onto the news, there's all kinds of examples of things that are, you know, against Christianity. And so how do we, how do we solve this particular issue of loving the enemy and who that happens to be and now how they happen to deal with this. Well, I think one of the questions that we have to wrestle with is this. Am I more interested in, you know, standing up for my rights as a Christian than I am in loving people the way Jesus loved them? And that's, again, I don't think there's any great answer in this. It's, there's some muddy water that we really struggle with in regard to this. And the other question is, are there exceptions to this? Love my enemy. Are there exceptions to that? For some of us, we want to make sure we have the right loophole so we can treat people however we want to, right? But for some of us, you have to wrestle with some of these exceptions. I mean, you look at the New Testament church in the book of Acts. I mean, there were some who very much um, paid with their life for following Jesus Christ. But then there were instances of persecution where the Christian didn't just stay there, but they fled that particular area. Then you have the whole issue of wrestling with, you know, evil that comes simply because of religious persecution versus evil that comes because it's just evil. You know, what do we do about protecting, you know, life and limb and those that we love? What about the government's role in regard to bringing protection for us? I mean, there's all kinds of muddy water that we have to wrestle with in this particular topic. But one thing that is very, very clear in this passage is that when we receive anger, hate, misuse as a result of our faith in Jesus Christ, what's his command to us? It is to love our enemy. That part is extremely clear. So how is this possible for us? I mean, what do we need to learn that helps this to be possible for us? Well, Jesus goes on. Look what he says in verse 32. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those <clears throat> from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. So again, the, the setting here is me being a witness for Jesus Christ by my life, but also by my words. Because the call to being a follower of Jesus Christ is that I so live a life that's different from the life of others that it's noticeable by other people around me, that I live this exceptional kind of life. But one of the words that I noticed in this passage is the word credit. It shows up several different times in this passage. And what's interesting about that word credit is the fact that it is the same word um, that we oftentimes get translated as the word grace as this word grace. And so, 
When we talk about this concept or this idea of grace, most of the time it shows up as that word, but here it gets translated credit. It means something that's added to your account or added to your reputation. So when he's talking about this whole idea of credit, is he talking about getting credit from God? Because we, you know, God saves us. We don't need any extra credit to be able to get into heaven. What is the credit that Jesus is speaking about here? It's the credit that we receive when people see us responding and reacting in such an exceptional way that they can't help but look at that and wonder, what is going on with this person? What is happening to them? Because Jesus is saying here, love, real love, is not a reciprocal kind of love. In other words, he uses that phrase several times, sinners do that, sinners do that, right? Sinners do that. And as he speaks about that, what he's saying is, if I love like everybody else, just to those who are nice to me and are good to me and lend, you know, pay me back, that's ordinary kind of love. Everybody loves that way. But what he's talking about here is having a light that shines in the midst of the darkness. In fact, what does Jesus say in Matthew 5.16? He says, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, if we continually give good for good, that's just ordinary. You could name a bunch of people who do that. But if we give good for hate, that's exceptional. That is extraordinary. And what we learn is that light shines brightest in the face of the darkness around us. And so the first motivation for us is that it, you know, our light shines the brightest in the midst of that. But then go on to verse 35. He says, but love your enemies, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. The second motivation is because of the Father to whom we belong. This, Jesus is calling for extraordinary trust in our Heavenly Father by doing this. I mean, that's really bottom line here. It's like, I'm trusting in God because, God, this doesn't make sense to me at all, right? I mean, Jesus is calling for this trust, but what he's reminding us of is this, that God's blessings in my life lead me to being able to give those blessings to other people around me. As John says, we love him because he first loved us. And so as we begin to recognize, you know what? I'm in the category of enemy. I was in the category of grateful. I was in the category of hating God. But because of Jesus and his forgiveness for me, I can give love in the face of hate because I have received from God. In other words, Jesus is saying to us, I don't give back what I receive from humanity. I give back what I receive from God, which is blessings and mercy and goodness and grace. And by making that choice, as difficult as it seems, I'm putting my trust in God in God's way, and I'm saying, God, this doesn't make sense, and this goes against everything that I feel within me but I'm putting my trust in you, 
and I'm going to love my enemy. And heart, we know that God is watching over us. So who would be for you the most difficult person to love right now? I want you to think of that person in your mind. Who would that be? They're just not difficult to love, but who would be that person that might fall into this category of enemy? Who would that be? I I challenge you to write their name down. Put their name down where you could see it. Who would that particular person be for you? And then ask yourself, how do I turn from giving revenge to giving them what Jesus here has asked me to do. Now, I want you to understand, I don't think Jesus is judging our feeling of anger or hurt or sadness. It's just really a question for you and I, am I going to go with my feelings, right, my intuition, or am I going to follow the path that Jesus has for me? Am I going to do the thing that's most important? So who is that person, and what would it look like to put into practice these concrete steps of love? For example, thinking of that person, right? What is an action of good that you might do this week in the face of the evil that they have for you? Or what are words of blessing that you and I might offer to them in the face of the cursing that maybe they give to us? Or what is a prayer that you can pray in the face of them mistreating you? Or what is it that you can give to them with no thought of return at all? I mean, this takes such extraordinary trust in God. This is something that for me seems almost humanly impossible. But it's because of God. And what we learn in the midst of this is loving the lowest is love at its highest. That's how God loved me. That's how God loves you. And that's how God wants us to love other people so that they will know about the love of Jesus Christ. 